If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. And that's, that's what I had told my half-sister when I had asked her to test was that's what I want is medical information because it's not just about me, it's about my grandkids. And I'm afraid that if there's something in the family that I need to know about and I don't know about it that can be prevented, you know, somebody's going to get hurt badly. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. This week's story tells not one, but two shocking DNA discoveries. Growing up, Phil believed that the parents who raised him were his biological parents. As a child, he learned that his biological mother abandoned him, and he was actually raised by a stepmother. Decades later, he learned that his raised father is not his biological parent either. This episode contains references to suicide, child abuse, and child sexual abuse. If you are struggling with thoughts of self-harm, please call or text 988. If you are a victim of child sexual abuse, please call RAIN at 800-656-HOPE. Thank you, Phil, for sharing your story. My name is Phil. I'm 55 and I'm from out just outside of Detroit, Michigan. So growing up, my dad, uh, who turns out was my birth certificate father, who I didn't know was my birth certificate father at the time. I always thought he was my biological father. His father was big into genealogy. I helped him a lot doing the family tree. I was pretty invested into, into doing genealogical work. When I was a year, year and a half old, my parents got a divorce. My mother moved away, met another man, um, 
ended up having another child. She was out in California. And truthfully, you know, I was just a little kid. I was, I was three when she had the other baby. So I didn't know that I had a mother that wasn't my stepmother. I had always assumed she was my mother because nobody had ever told me that she wasn't my mother. So when your mother, when your parents divorced, your mother left you with your birth certificate father, who you thought was your birth father. Yes, she left me and my older sister, who was a child from her first marriage, who my birth certificate father had adopted. So she left both of us at my grandparents' house and Mm. left with this other man. And so my dad tried to raise us by himself for a little while until he married the well, I guess she was the babysitter, but she ended up being my stepmother, and she was only 13 years older than me. Wow. So Okay, but you, but you thought that she was your mother. Yes, yes. I thought she was my mother until I was about 11 or 12, and that's when the truth came out that she wasn't my mother. But to rewind a wow. little bit, my older sister, who I idolized, I mean, she was my everything. And I have two earliest memories, and one of the earliest memories was taking her to the airport. She was being beaten by my stepmother, which I don't remember because I was too young at the time. I remember taking her to the airport to go live with our mother. And it was never told to me that that was my mother, too. Mm. It was always she's going to live with her mother. So that's one of my earliest memories. Two earliest memories that I have is taking her to the airport. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Then I was, like I said, about 11 or 12 Um, my stepmother's brother told me that I was adopted. I'm like, what do you mean I'm adopted? No, she's my mother. No, they adopted you. So I confronted my dad and my stepmom about it. And uh, they came clean and said, no, she is not your mother. Uh, Your mother lives in California. That's who your sister went to live with. And basically it was put out there by my stepmother that uh, I wasn't wanted and my mother wanted nothing to do with me. Wow. So at 11 years old, you had an MPE, mis- misattributed parentage, for your mother. Yes. How did you feel when you got that news? I didn't know how to feel. Um, I mean, being 11, you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever it was, it was, it was within that three-year period. I didn't know how I was supposed to feel. My stepmother wasn't the greatest, but I always knew her as my mother. And I didn't realize until I was older that she was only 13 years older than me. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to take it. So I, I just, I, I don't know, I kind of blew it off, I guess. I didn't think much of it. I don't know. I had never seen pictures of my mother. I had never been introduced to my mother's family. My mother's parents lived across the street from my birth certificate father's parents. And I didn't know that until I was, I was in my 20s before I found that out. And I didn't know that. They were, they were gone by that time. They, they had moved out, but I didn't, never knew that. Did your father ever share with you why he didn't tell you about your mother? Um, no. No, he never did. Mm-hmm. He never did. So I had a pretty rough childhood growing up. My stepmother was very abusive, physically, mentally, uh, her and her family, sexually abusive. But... I mean, back in the the 70s, 80s, nobody really talked about that kind of thing. So to me, that was, I guess, normal. You know, I didn't know that it was wrong. 
My dad worked afternoons. So I was in school during the day when he was home. And then when I was home at night, he was at work. So a lot of stuff happened. Um, mm. And she was good at, at abusing people. She knew how to not leave a mark. And she was very good at it. Mm. Um, matter of fact, she was so good at it that I didn't finally realize that it was wrong until I was 18. And she came after me one time and I blocked her. And then she just lost it and came after me and tried to really, really hurt me and said, don't you ever block me. And I tried to put her head through a wall and my dad stopped me. He pulled me off of her. But that was, you know, she turned it around where it was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, mm. I was protecting myself and I was, you can only kick a dog so many times before it, it turns on you, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. I went in the army in 1988. I served until 1992. I got married, uh, had a child while we were in the service. We got out. I finally, I don't know, I guess I got it through my head how screwed up she was. So I wanted nothing to do with her. So I kicked her out of my life altogether. And she passed away, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And I hadn't talked to her, seen her in years. And I didn't have any, any wish to see her or talk to her. I didn't know anything about my mother's family, my biological mother's family. I had talked to her on the phone twice when I was in the army. My dad had given me her phone number. I don't know how my dad had it, but somehow he did. So I talked to her twice on the phone and it was quick conversations because when you're feeding a pay phone in the barracks, you can't talk for very long before you run out of money, long distance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we got out of the army, moved back to Michigan. Um, had another child. My biological mother passed in 2005 and she lived about 10 miles from me in Michigan. And I had no clue that she was even there. Last I knew she was out in Utah. So she didn't live too far from me. You know, I was in the phone book. She could have looked me up if she really wanted to. Why she didn't, I have no idea. So you never really built a relationship with your biological mother no. after finding out about her? No, no, I did not. Did you want to? Yes and no. I did because she was my mother, my biological mother, but no, because she had left me and didn't want anything to do with me. So we went to the funeral. My wife and I went to the funeral because my older sister was very adamant that I be there. I had to sign off on the uh, uh, cremation because all three of the children had to sign off saying, yes, she can be cremated, you know, yada, yada. We went to the funeral and they wanted me to sit up front with the family. And I said, no, I will not do that. So I sat in the back, my wife and I sat in the back of the church. So they did the service and the priest was leading the family up and they stopped at the pew we were at and they would not leave until we got up and walked out with the family. And I just I felt very, very mad that that happened. That should not have happened. They should have respected my wishes. But it was also strange because everybody at that funeral was staring at me like they knew who I was, but I had no idea. I knew two people, well, three people, including my wife at that funeral. My older sister, I had just met my younger sister and my wife, and that was the three that I knew at that funeral. So after my mother's funeral, they were trying to get my mother's estate in order. So we went to my mother's house. She had a manufactured home, and we went in there, and I had told my sisters, I don't want anything, okay? I don't want anything. The woman owes me nothing. I didn't know her. I don't... She didn't have a will, so she didn't, you know, leave me anything in the will. I just, I don't want anything. 
So they made me sign something at the lawyer's office stating that I wanted nothing, which, you know, I was, I was fine with because I wasn't, wasn't about to go after anything. So my mother collected teapots and we were going through her jewelry box and she had three pewter teapot like brooches. And so my sisters both took one and they made me take one. I look at it now where she had three children those three teapots represented her three children. If they did or not, I don't know. But it, it just kind of kind of brings me a little bit of comfort thinking that she did. Yeah, she was still thinking of you. Yeah. My older sister had walked out of the room for something, and my younger sister uh, gave me an envelope. She goes, here, you might want this. So I took it, and it was my mother and my, my birth certificate father's divorce papers. So I have those. And then my sisters split up the teapots. Well, there was one brass teapot that was left. So my, my older sister had left. She had went back home and my younger sister was there. And I had asked her, I said, hey, I said, I know I said I didn't want anything, but do you mind if I have this teapot? She goes, no, that's fine. You can have it. So I took the teapot. And the reason I took the teapot was because that's the teapot that nobody wanted. And that's how I felt at the time was that my mother, oh, wow. my mother didn't want me. That's why she left and didn't, didn't try to get in contact with me or anything. So then a couple of days later, my younger sister came over before she left to go back to Italy because her husband was in the Navy. So she brought me one of the teapots that she wanted and she brought it over to me. She was here. I want you to have this. I said, thank you. I appreciate it. But this is why I wanted that teapot. I said, it's you know nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with you know our other sister. It's just, that's how I felt. So I have two teapots. I have the one that I wanted and then the one that my sister gave me. Mm. So in 2017, I took an ancestry DNA test because I wanted to find out more about my mother's side of the family because my great-grandparents came from the Austro-Hungarian Empire prior to World War I. So I kind of wanted to find out about my family. So I took the test and I looked at it. And I looked at the, the uh, DNA matches. So I was looking on there and um, I didn't think too much about it because I didn't see any of my surname on there. But I didn't think anything about it because at the time I thought, well, you know what? You have to test to be on the list. Right. So I didn't think anything about it. So I found a first cousin that was on there. And I found out that it was my biological mother's uh, sister's son. So I had met a first cousin that I didn't know. Um, so we communicated a little bit, and then he dropped off the face of the earth. Don't know what happened to him. So I kept going through my mother's list and mother's list, you know, kept going and kept going. And then in 2019, um, in June, in June of 2019, a new first cousin match popped up. So I knew who my mother's brother and sister's children were. I had a list of their names mm -hmm. and this child was not on that list. So I knew that my birth certificate father's father had an extramarital affair on his wife and had two children with another woman. So I thought, well, hey, this could be one of them. You know, this could be a child of, of my aunt or my uncle that I didn't know, you know, that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I got a hold of this, this uh, first cousin, this lady, and the first thing out of her mouth was, are you sure your mother wasn't adopted? 
I'm like, no, my mother wasn't adopted because I've got all this information and, you know, I've got cousins and everything that match up through the family. And so we, we talked a little bit more and a little bit more. And then she gave me the list of names of her three uncles. And it took, mm, truthfully, it took about an hour to figure out who my biological father was based off of who she gave me for names. Wow. So only, only an hour. So all three were deceased. Okay. Two had two children and one had no children. So I went and I found the, I found their obituaries online and I went with the oldest son first um, because everything was still in Michigan. I was going through his obituary and I noticed that one of my DNA matches lined up with one of the people that was on that, on the obituary. Mm -hmm. So I finally got a hold of this match. Um, I actually stalked her through Facebook because she wouldn't answer. You know, I had sent her a couple messages through Ancestry and it seems most people don't answer through Ancestry. Right. Um, So I I stalked her down through Facebook. You know, I had asked her, I said, hey, is such and such your mother? And was so-and-so your grandfather? So she said, no, such and such is my grandmother and such and such was my great-grandfather. So I said, ah, okay. So now the numbers start to make a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. So I said, can you get me in contact with your grandmother? I can give you my phone number. Please have her call me or I'll give you my my email address or whatever. And she gave her grandmother my phone number and her grandmother texted me. We were texting back and forth and and I had told her my story and, you know, searching for my, my biological father and you know, it's, it's one of three brothers and you could be a first cousin or you could potentially be a half sibling. I'm not sure. So we talked and then she finally, she called me and she said, it's, it's hard to keep texting this stuff. Yeah. So we talked for probably an hour and I convinced her to, to do an ancestry DNA test. So she ordered the test. It came in, she took it right away, sent it in. So it was about, it was about five weeks, I think, before the results came back. So in that five-week period, we talked on the phone quite a bit. We text back and forth quite a bit. I was trying to explain to her how the centimorgans work and, and how that, you know, kind of gives you a guideline as to what possible relationship, you, you know, you can be. And I told her, you know, again, I, I, I told her many times that it's a good possibility that we're first cousins, but we could be half siblings. I want you to know this. I said, but I, I was quite positive her father was my father, and I don't know how it was just in my mind that this is the guy. Even though I knew, I, I still pushed that, that first cousin because I didn't want to scare her away. Right. That's big news. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Maryland for work, and I was coming home that day. So that morning, she had texted me, and, and I had texted her back, and I said, hey, do you want me to put together uh, some sort of a, a sheet or something to explain everything to you. So when you get your results, you can look at it and say, boom, this is what's going on with this. And she goes, no, just kind of tell me. So I I went over everything with her again. I got home. I wasn't even home. I don't know, probably a a half hour. I went on my ancestry. I looked, boom, up she popped, 100% half sibling. Mm. So I called her right away. I said, hey, I want you to know. And she wasn't there. So I, I left a message. I said, hey, look, the results are in call me, please, right away, call me. So about a half hour later, she calls me and she goes, well, I haven't even looked at the results yet. I said, well, I said, you're my half sister. 
And we talked for probably a good 45 minutes and, and everything seemed to be cool. And I said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to back off, mm-hmm. give you some time to think about it. You call me and you tell me what you want to do. She said, okay, that's fair. August came and went, didn't hear anything. So September, I sent her an email saying, hey, look, I'm here. You want to talk or something? Please let me know what you want to do. October came, did the same thing. November came, did the same thing. December came, did the same thing. Christmas Eve of 2019, I get a call from my niece, which is her daughter. You will leave my, my mother alone. Wow. I said, whoa, what, what, what do you mean? She wants nothing to do with you. I said, oh, okay. Um, why can't she tell me this? Well, she thought by her not answering you that, that you would get the hint. I said, wow, I didn't realize that I'm in elementary school. Yeah. Your mother's in her 60s. I'm in my 50s. She should have communicated, even sent me a, a text to say, hey, leave me alone. Then it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. So I said, okay, fine. I will leave her alone. And I have not tried to make contact with her since. Mm-hmm. So she's in her 60s. I have an older half-brother who's in his 70s. He lives probably hour and 15 minutes away from me, which is where my, my biological dad is buried. He's like five minutes from his grave. So I went to visit my biological father's grave because I, I just felt it was something I needed to do. Yeah, I'm a veteran. He's a veteran. I put a penny, a 1967 penny on his grave, on his headstone, because that's the year I was born. Mm-hmm. And usually that's how veterans pay tribute to each other, honor each other. If we visit their grave and we were both veterans, you put a penny on their grave. Yeah. So I did that. So then I drove by my half-brother's house, which is on a private road, and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to start anything, so I didn't even go in, um, you know, go to his house or anything. But I did send him a letter, never heard anything from him. Um, I'm sure, you know, he wants nothing to do with me either. Um, because basically what I get is it's my fault that their father cheated on their mother with my mother. Mm. You know, it's my fault, which it's not my fault. I had nothing to do with it. You know, I'm just the result of, of infidelity on both sides. You know, my mother was married. My father was married. Right. Do you know kind of the circumstances or have you been able to get any of that information other than, you know, that they were both married, but. My biological father was a supervisor for the county road commission. So how they met, I have no idea other than he was a Mason. His father was a Mason. My birth certificate father was a Mason. My birth certificate grandfather was a Mason. They were all at the same lodge. So I don't know if they knew each other mm-hmm. or not. I have no clue if they knew each other. Okay. So in, in 2020... Um, my, my dad's current wife, I guess you would say mm-hmm. had, had a couple of strokes down in Texas. They had retired down in Texas about 20 years ago. My stepbrother went down got his mother and he was going to fly her back up because he couldn't fly both my dad and, and my stepmom back up because it would have been too hard. He flew down there with the intention of flying her back. Then he decided, no, that's not such a good idea. So I'm just going to rent a car and drive her back. So he drove her back. I flew down and drove my dad back in his car. So my dad was here only for a couple of months in 2020. So my stepmother passed away uh, October of 2020 from complications of the stroke. 
And then um, a month later, my dad uh, took his own life in my house. Um, wow. And uh, we had to settle their estate. I, it, it was a big misunderstanding and confusion going on. So my stepbrother was the executor of my stepmother's estate. I was the executor of my dad's estate. Mm-hmm. But the way it turned out, because she died first, it all went to my dad. So that made me the executor because it was all his estate then. So we were passing stuff back and forth. Well, one day my stepbrother came over and um, I was putting stuff in his car. And he goes, you and I need to sit down and have a talk. I said, okay, you know, whenever, just let me know when you want to do that. And I said, you know something? I said, um, I just want you to know I found out, you know, a couple of years ago that, uh, well, last year that, that he wasn't my father, that my mother had had an affair or whatnot. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, when I met your dad, he told me that, and that was 30 years ago. So he told my stepbrother hmm. that I wasn't his, but he didn't tell me that I wasn't his. So I guess, I guess he didn't tell me for the same reason I didn't tell him. I didn't want to hurt him. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if that's, you know, he was trying to protect me or not. But, you know, he's my dad. He'll always be my dad. I'll always love him. You know, he gave me his name. Literally, I have his first name and last name. Um, you know, he raised me knowing that I wasn't his child, that I wasn't his blood. But he always, in the last few years, he had always made snide comments about my mother being very evil and uh, everything. And I did find out that when my, when my birth certificate father was 18, he was in a motorcycle accident. And he wasn't able to have children after that. So now it brings me back to, did my mother cheat just to cheat or did my mother cheat because she wanted another child? And if she wanted another child, then why did she leave me? Yeah. You know, it, it's just a lot of confusion, a lot of, you know, doubt, a lot of just, I don't know. I just, and there's nobody to ask because I can't ask anybody. Okay. So there's no living family members on either side that you could really go to like for your birth certificate father or your mother? So my birth certificate father's sister is still alive, but she's not very helpful. Okay. Not very helpful. My, my, my mother's brother is still alive. Well, my mother's brother and mother's sister is still alive. Uh, My mother's brother had a stroke a few years back and his memory is gone. He can't even tell you what high school he went to. And then the sister was never close to my mother, never hung out with my mother. They weren't close at all. So they, you know, there's, there's nothing there. So I, I have no one to ask about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that my mother used to carouse quite a bit, was caught with men numerous times. You know how true that is? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if it's my dad just being hurt, you know, because that was his first wife, you know. That was her second marriage, but his first marriage. It, it's, it's very confusing. You know, I, my daughters know. I told my daughters about it. My youngest daughter is very mad. And she's the only reason that she's mad is that she's not biologically related to her great or her yeah, great grandmother would have been my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But I told her, I said, it doesn't matter. I said, because she was still your grandmother. She still loved you. Um, she my grandmother treated me better than she treated anybody else. Is it because she knew that I wasn't 
you know, hers by blood? Did she feel bad for me? Or was it because I was the son of her oldest son? I don't know. I, you know, I just don't know. There's, there's nobody to, to ask. What are your biggest questions that you have that you would like to have answered if you could? I don't really have questions. I mean, other than I, I would like to know my, my biological family. You know, I found out things after my mother had died that that she could speak Hungarian before she could speak English because where they lived, they lived with her grandmother who was Hungarian and that's what mostly what she spoke. Mm. You know, and I, I didn't even know I was Hungarian until I was in my 20s. And then my, my, my birth certificate father's mother used to call me a hunky all the time because <laughs> apparently that was, that was the word that they called Hungarians back in the day you know, was hunkies. And so I wanted, I would like to find out about my Hungarian heritage. I would like to find out about my, my, my biological father's family. I mean, I know more than my first cousin who helped me. I know more about the family than she does just because I've been doing all the genealogical work because my grandparents came from England after World War I. My grandfather was born in the 1800s and my father was born in 1929. Most of the people that are in my generation, you know, their, their parents weren't born until, you know, 40s, early 40s, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't know, I kind of feel out of place now. Yeah. You know, most, a lot of, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot of the, the people, guy, people I went to high school with, their, their fathers were in Vietnam. You know, mine was, mine was just at the tail end of World War II. Mm. So you got, you know, you got Korea in between and then you got Vietnam. So there's, there's a big swing there. Really, I wish I would have known that there was an option to go live with my mother mm. because of the abuse. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I would have, would I have been happy? I don't think I would have. What was your sister's experience like living with your mom? Do you know? No, I don't know because I, um, so I have... I have two half sisters from my mother, mm -hmm. and I have a half sister and half brother from my father. Really, not close to any of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't want to call it close. I, I keep in contact with my my younger half sister on my mother's side, but the older sister, she when she came back, she came back in 1980. She came back to Michigan, and she wanted nothing to do with me. And all I did is, like I said, I, she was my world. She was my my idol. She was my everything. I loved her to death. And she wanted nothing to do with me. And that hurts so bad. Yeah. As you look back, does anything kind of make sense? I think often NPEs have these moments where they're like, oh, duh. I can totally see where that wasn't my biological father. But I, you know, I just accepted it as truth. Have you had any of those moments with either your, your mother, you know, before you turned... 10, 11, and then your father? I look like nobody in my family. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I can look at, I have very few pictures of when I was younger because of my dad's second wife, the one who, you know, played the charade of being my mother until it was finally brought out. I have, I have few pictures. So the pictures I do have that my dad gave me, um, I look through there now and I just look at it. I don't look like anybody in my family. They're all kind of a darker complexion. I'm very pale. Mm. I'm pale. I mean, English people are not, you know, tan people. I have blue eyes. Nobody else in the family had blue eyes. Um, I have blonde hair. Everybody else had darker hair. 
I look at it now and I'm like, how can I be that stupid? How could I not have known that something was different about me? Mm. And I had no pictures of my mother. So I didn't even know what my mother looked like until her funeral. Then I saw what my mother looked like. And I really don't think I look much like her. Now I found the obituary picture of my biological father. And if I hold up my high school graduation picture and put them next to each other, yeah, I can tell who I look like, but he didn't have blonde hair. So I don't know where the blonde hair is coming from. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how we have these moments, but you know, I, I think it's important that we know that we trust what we're told, right? As children. And even though I think sometimes we look back and, oh yeah, I do look different than my family. You know, I don't, I don't know that we see that, right? Like, and think instantly, oh, there must be a missing biological connection. It's, but it's interesting how you're not the first person that I've spoken to that said, and I've said it myself, to be honest, that I feel, I feel stupid. How did I miss this? So I was curious if you had those experiences. Yeah, you just, you don't, there, there's no reason to think that just because you look different, okay, oh, all right, I, for some reason, I just don't look like them. Right. Never, never once crossed my mind that something could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. What have you been doing to, to work through this experience? So there's, there's. You know, see, see, top secret uh, Facebook pages, you know, for NPEs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I go on there and, and I try to tell my story, you know, on there. Um, and I look at it and, you know, sometimes I feel bad because I feel bad for myself. But I look at what other people write and I think, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, I guess. You know, I don't have it as bad as some of these people that are on here that are telling their stories. What do you What do you feel lucky, or how do you feel lucky? Well, my dad loved me. I mean, mm-hmm. he knew I wasn't his child, but he he loved me like he, I was his own. Yeah, we weren't rich. You know, we were middle class family. If we wanted something, we had to wait to get it because you know my dad had to wait to save up money to get it. And but I I never really went without. He never laid a hand on me ever once. In my life, did he ever lay a hand on me? His second wife sure did, but, you know, he didn't. You know, his his parents, my grandparents, I don't even know if they knew. I'm sure they did. They, they had to have known that I wasn't his. But they treated me greatly. My grandmother, she treated me. She called me son half the time. She didn't call me grandson. She called me son. Mm-hmm. She knew I would be there whenever she needed me. I was the executor of her estate. Wow. Her and my grandfather always treated me well. I mean, they, you know, I, I don't know. I was told a story, but, you know, my dad was very much against my mother. He used to say that when we were at my, at his parents' house playing, my mother's parents lived across the street, that they would want my older sister to come over, but they would never want me to come over. Hmm. Now, how true that is, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, that that could just be because he was hurt because she did that to him, which I completely understand. Right. I mean, I do. I get it. I get it. I just wish, you know, wish he would have told me just so that I knew. I wouldn't have loved him any less. And, and maybe that's what he was afraid of, that I would. Right. Is there a time that you wish you would have been told um, in terms of, you know, your age? Do you think that there's a, a time that's best for, for NPEs to learn the truth? I would say, you know, really at the age of 18, 
And the only reason I say the age of 18 is because that's when you're technically an adult. You can go out on your own. Mm -hmm. So with me, like I didn't go into the army until I was 20. But if something would have happened to me when I was in the military, all the medical information that I had given was all a lie. Yeah. Because all I knew was my dad's side and I gave all that information and that had nothing to do with me. Right. You know, and that, that's why I, I think 18, because you're going out on your own. You need to know who your family is. I mean, the people who raised you, if they loved you and, and raised you and thought of you as their own, yes, that is your family, but your biological family, you need to know any kind of medical history because now it's not just about me. It's about my daughters and it's about my grandchildren. I don't know if there's anything that runs through the family. And my, my cousin, she's tried to help me, but there's nothing she can tell me about my direct family. You know, she can tell me the overall family that, yeah, our grandfather had a heart attack. Yeah, your dad had a heart attack, but she can't tell me anything else. Yeah, that's, that's such a concern that I think people don't realize for NPEs is that our medical history is a lie when we don't have all of the facts. I'm a member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. So I was on the Department of Michigan State Honor Guard. And there was another comrade who was on the Michigan State Honor Guard. Well, I found out since then that he is my first cousin, but he's, the, he's adopted into the family. He doesn't know that we're cousins, but he has the name, but not the blood, but I have the blood, but not the name. Oh, wow. And that's how I look at it. I'm not, I'm not really into the Veterans of Foreign Wars anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still go to my post stuff, but I, I really don't do anything on the state level anymore, mm-hmm. but... I, I need to talk to him at some point and let him know, hey, guess what, cousin? Yeah. Oh, such a small world. Yes. What What do you hope for? Do you hope for any change with your sister that you discovered? I've thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And if she came back to me, I don't know how I would handle it. Now, her mother is still alive, but her mother has Alzheimer's. Okay. So I'm not sure that maybe if after her mother passes, you know, she'll try to contact me or not. I don't know. I would love to have a relationship with family. I really would. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, my, my, my birth certificate father's family, you know, we were close, but most of them are, are, are gone now. Right. So I really don't have family other than my wife and my daughters and my grandchildren. Mm. You know, but I, I, would, I would love to have a, a relationship with a, a good relationship with one of my siblings. I just wish that that people would be more honest about things. Um, I know that that the older generation, you know, things were taboo. Um, you know, uh, unwed uh, women, you know, having children and, and uh, uh, extramarital affairs and, and donor conception, stuff like that, you know, you don't talk about it and it'll go away and it'll die with me. And it, to me, in my opinion, it's just hurting. It's hurting the ones that you love that, that you're keeping the secret from. Yeah. They should, have, they should have a right to know. You know, everybody seems to have rights these days, except for, you know, like us, you, you look at, at, at uh, uh, sperm donors, you know, they used to be able to be anonymous, but now they're, they're, Certain places are coming back and say, well, no, now you have to release that information. That's fine. Medical, medical issues happen. You can't have children. So you went through this. You know, be honest about it. 
hey, I, I went out and had an affair on your mother and, and you have a, a you have a sibling. You know, you, you always have to think about how this not only affects you, but how this affects other people. Yeah. You know, I, like I told my sister, my half sister, when all this was taking place, I'm not I don't want anything. I'm not trying to be a disruption. I just want medical information. And I would like to know my family, if I get a relationship out of it, that would be fantastic. But if not, then not, you know, please just, just acknowledge me. You know, I am a person, I am your family, whether you want me to be or not. Like I said, I love my dad to death. He'll be my dad forever, you know, and I'm grateful to him. You know, I'll go out to his grave and I'll tend his grave and I'll, I'll, could he be obnoxious? Yes. Could he be irritating? Yes. He was still my dad. I still loved him. Yeah. That's the way he was. You know, just, just be honest with people. Don't think that by keeping the secret that you're helping someone or protecting somebody, you're not. Yeah. You just need, you need to be truthful. Yeah. Well, so kind of, you know, going with that, um, I ask everyone the same two questions at the end of each episode. And one of those questions is, what advice do you have for parents that are keeping a DNA surprise from their child? You kind of touched on that, but is there anything else? I just wish I, my dad would have been honest with me. I wish, you know, other people would have been honest with me, but it is what it is. Just you're not protecting the person by not telling them they have a right to know. And like I said, with the, the biggest thing is the medical, because now it doesn't just affect me, but it affects my children and my grandchildren. And that's not fair. Yeah. If you don't want anything to do with me, then don't have anything to do with me. But please tell me what the family medical history is just so I have an idea so that if something comes up, we can have, we can take care of it. What advice do you have for someone who just found out that they're an NPE? My biggest advice is to step back, take a deep breath and try to calm down. It's a big thing that you go through. It affects people in different ways. Every person's journey is their own. What may have worked for me may not work for you, but it's not, I don't know how to exactly explain it. it it's, it's just not something that you need to, it's going to weigh on you and it's going to weigh on you and it's going to weigh on you, but you need to step back, take a breath and try to relax. And, and if you need to go in another room and cry it out, cry it out. If you need to talk to someone about it, find someone who's sympathetic to you. There are secret Facebook pages, groups that you have to be vetted to get into. It's not open to just everybody. There are support groups um, that meet on Zoom calls. That helps a lot. And don't always think that your spouse is going to be sympathetic. Mine is. I'm not saying mine is not. I'm just saying that I've heard stories. Um, I've read things where people's spouses are sick and tired of hearing about it and, you know, are saying, well, get over it. You know, this, this person's still your dad. What difference does it make? And there's not a lot of professional help out there. Yeah. Um, this seems to be a newer field of psychiatry, psychology, whatever it is. Um, and there's not a lot of people out there that know a lot about it. There's books you can buy that'll help you out. 
but find someone who you can trust, who is sympathetic to what you're saying. That's not just going to, you know, uh, uh, push you aside and, you know, get over it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't make any difference because it does make a difference. Yes. That parent is still your parent. Like my dad is, you know, like I said, I'll always love my dad. I'll always be grateful to him. You know, I've got his name. I hope to, to, to make him proud of what I do in my life, but just always find someone to talk to that you can talk to because it does, it does help. It helps immensely. Definitely. This is great advice. Well, Phil, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story I know that it has left you with probably more questions than answers, but I hope that you continue to find answers through your research. And I will hope that your sister will have a change of heart and open up more to you in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Phil for sharing his story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email DNA surprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.